Hey, hey, it's the Phenomenal Stemist. I am here with Dr. Donnell Carey. Um, that's how I pronounce your name, right? Dr. Donnell mm-hmm. Carey. Um, uh, Dr. Carey it went to community college at first. He went to St. Pete Junior College in St. Petersburg, Florida. And then he went to our HBCU, which is uh, called Florida A&M University, where he received his bachelor's and master's in chemistry. And then he went on to Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, where he did his PhD in biochemistry. So we have a straight scientist here. Uh, Dr. Donnell Donnell Carey, PhD in chemistry, biochemistry. Um, He is currently a professor. And um, he's actually, he went and did his postdoctoral fellowship um, at the Sanford Burnham uh, Medical Discovery Institute in Lake Nona, Florida, uh, where he worked on cardiomyopathy. And now he's a professor. Uh, of chemistry. Thank you so much for joining, Donnell. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it is so good to see African American male uh, scientists uh, represented today. And um, I'm just going to get right into it. When did you fall in love with your discipline? You're a chemist. You're not a drug dealer. <laughs> Straight up chemist. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> was, uh, you know, when it came to Chemistry and my discipline in chemistry. I probably first fell in love at Florida AM. There was, you know, everyone takes undergraduate classes and we're always like, why well, we gotta take this class? Why well, we gotta take that class? But once I got to a biochemistry class, I can remember it like it was yesterday. There was a diagram of the sun, uh, a cow standing on grass, and a man. And it hooked up how everything was connected together and how biochemistry and chemistry played a role in everything. Even in life. Even in life. Mm-hmm. And my professor at the time, he was even explaining how, you know, things that we deal with on an everyday basis involve chemistry. And we don't even really understand it. So it really was my biochemistry teacher who really just lit the fire as it relates to my raw chemistry and loving it. I don't say that much. Yeah. Um, shout out to all the science professors out there. <laughs> who inspire young people uh, to continue in these hard disciplines um, by making it relatable and making it real and exciting. Um, It's so crucial. It's so crucial. And and we need more black professors in the STEM fields uh, because of that, to, to, to light up the fire, because we really don't get a lot of chemistry in the earlier years, right? Yeah. I think one of the best things that I got there and um, going to HBCU or any college in general, if you have a professor who can relate things to why you care. Yeah. You know, chemistry is everywhere. And it's like, you keep telling me that chemistry is everywhere, but why do I care about chemistry? Hmm. You know, hmm. Like the chemistry, your taste buds, the chemistry of your heartbeat, and the chemistry of chemistry between two people and understanding that. So you can relate chemistry on a variety of different levels. And it's, you, you made it. He brought it out into a way and brought it into the classroom into a way that it didn't matter who you were. There were some interests you can have in chemistry. In chemistry. 
Shout out to your professor. Helping you fall in love with one of the most hardest disciplines out there, I feel. And that's chemistry. Okay, so what tools did you use to discipline yourself? What tools did you use to discipline yourself? You know, when it comes to discipline, uh, one thing that I find myself doing is kind of borrowing from others. So I had a college roommate, and he did computer information system. He was always working. I was like, why are you always working? Then I started seeing his grades, and I was just like, that's the reason why you're always working. Coaches and they're always like, um, you work hard, you prepare hard, so you can show yourself approved. So the different tools I use, and it may sound cliche, but I would always kind of borrow these different cliches and these different quotes and sayings from people, and I kind of made my own little tool belt of things I would use. Like one of, for my chemistry, it was like a lot of people was um, say, "Can I do this? Can I do this?" As opposed to how I'm going to do it. Like mm -hmm. there's no question if this is going to get done or not. It's just how I'm going to get it done. Another one is, you know, um, your hard work paying off. Another one is um, luck is when chance meets, when preparation meets opportunity. Mm. So I put a lot of different things into my own tool belt. And I, when, when needed, you know, it's like you can just grab it off the wall and be like, okay, I need to be disciplined, you know. So like one of my discipline quotes is that what you lack in natural talent, you make up for in discipline. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that's so true. I, a lot of tools I use are just like say borrow from someone else and I related them to how I can use them for myself because at the end of the day you got to be your greatest motivator. Listen, that is like one of the crucial things that we need is inner uh, motivation where you're motivating yourself. You're not waiting for other people to make you feel motivated. Though it's great to have great professors but the reality is you're going to have some professors that are going to say, look to your left, look to your right, and one of you are not going to be here. Like, they're, they're working a lot of the times to, to fail you. And if you are looking for them to affirm you, um, you're going to be in trouble. Sometimes you're going to have to take that inner core motivation and push through. And so you're saying you used all kinds of sayings, um, you took things from other people. You looked at other people in terms of how they were behaving, and you saw how they their grades, and and you and you copied. Absolutely. I mean, one of the greatest things that you see is like uh, successful people surround themselves with successful people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're always borrowing from one another. So when I went to college, it was like, well, I want to be a successful person, so I kind of sit back and study and observe what other people, successful people were doing. Right. So they were hardworking. They were disciplined. They did. If someone told them no, they accepted that no from that person. But it was like, no, it's not my answer. That's right. Answer. I'm going to find somebody else to tell me yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so true. All of those different things together. Okay. Um, so what were your challenges in school? What were your challenges? If I'm being honest, uh, one of my greatest challenges in the beginning coming from high school was that uh, high school was um, not as challenging as college was. So when we were in, when we were in high school, um, we were in a high school where they really didn't expect us to succeed. Mm. And 
really didn't have to go to class to get A's. Like I would just wait to the end of the semester and get an A on the final exam and then get an A out of the class, you know, and just kind of sit there, which it wasn't, it didn't bode well for me because like I like school and I want to be in school, but the school I was at wasn't taking it very seriously. Right. You, they weren't preparing you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so the biggest challenge I faced when I was in school was being able to stay disciplined, being able to now um, learn how to study. Because even though it sounds kind of simple, a lot is a lot into learning how to study and how you need to study for yourself to retain that information. So it was a lot of growing pains my first two semesters in undergrad because now I'm presented with six different classes, six different teaching styles, and everyone's going to have a test around the same time. Right. And there's no cramming for six different classes. Right. <laughs> at the same time. So it was that um, learning how to study. Another really big challenge was, um, and we all face this, is someone telling you you can't do it. So you come to that fork in the road and then someone's like, okay, um, either you're not going to succeed or you're a failure anyway, what are you going to do? I came to that fork in the road uh, when I was at um, the junior college. Uh, someone told me, somewhere in a higher position told me that uh, I don't know why you guys are going to school. You're never going to make something. Oh. Anyway. And Real, uh, somebody in position at that school told you that? In a very, in a very high position. Wow. The treasurer of the SDA, you know, our student board association, we're going to allocate money, you know, like, well, I'm here sitting on this same table with you, and yet you tell me those words. Wow. I, I never forgot them, but it's like it was a fork in the road where I could have been like, yes, she's right. Or I took the route that I did take, like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong because I know who I am. So, um, that kind of, whenever I felt myself getting down and I felt myself kind of um, like facing the obstacles, like it kind of like a little voice in the back of your head. It's like, are you going to, you know, prove them wrong, prove them wrong. It's yeah. like, this is more to you than it is to someone else. Like, because you have people always looking up to you, even if you don't know you're being watched, there's always someone watching, whether it be a niece, nephew, friend, colleague, parent, someone is always watching. So, I took that into account. Um, it's a shame. Like, what? Why do they do that? Why do I don't understand why people put low expectations on others, especially um, you know people of color. You know, I've experienced something similar. It wasn't you know to the level of high leadership, but it was an advisor. You know, and 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 let and this happened once I left my HBCU. It seems like HBCUs are very supportive. They tell you to dream big. They push you so far. They say you can make it. You could do it. But when you leave that shelter, that 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 cocoon, man, advi I, my advisor told me not to take molecular genetics and biochemistry together. And I mean, something is as simple as, you know, she's not basically saying I'm not going to make it, but she's basically saying it's too challenging for me. And I, and I remember, you know, acing biochemistry, acing genetics. And taking all of these kind of courses all at the same time when I was in college, I felt prepared. I wouldn't have, they wouldn't have told me that at Oakwood, but they told me that at Einstein. I never forget it. Um, my advisor, my, the, the advisor, not my, not my mentor, 
my mentor was was extremely um, supportive, but the advisor when I first got there that could that that kind of stuff would scare a young a new graduate student already feeling intimidated, and then your advisor just looks at you. She didn't even look at my grades, and so you know why do people? have try to push their low expectations you, you gotta as a minority student in stem you're gonna face it i faced it donnell just told you he faced it you're gonna face it you're gonna face people's low expectation but you're gonna have to say uh i'm gonna prove you wrong okay. Okay. <laughs> like you're not a reflection of them like no. shine so everybody can see wow i love that Shine so everybody can see you and not a reflection of who they are. Wow. Or their expectations of you. I love that. All right. So you learned how to study. Can you give some tips? Oh, what was some? <laughs> see so long ago. <laughs> I, I know. It really does. Um, one of the biggest things I learned in undergrad, um, and Again, like I said, my biochemistry teacher was very influential in my life. It's like when you're in at that moment, it seems like the biggest thing that's going on. So we were at, I was at an undergraduate school, and every weekend they would have some type of event taking place. And if there's always some type of event taking place, it's like it's always the biggest thing. Like I can't miss it. Everyone's going to be there. It was like, well, you know, next week there'll be another big event. And next month there'll be another big event. You know, and it was like, what's more, what's bigger to you? Is it the acing the test? Or is it seeing the same people you see every day in class? Right. <laughs> At this big event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, he kind of put it in perspective. And I was just like, I, I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. You're right. Because every week it was like, oh, this is the biggest party. It's not going to be a party like this. So, I mean, the study, that was one of the biggest study tips that I kind of had to realize and come to terms with myself is that if you want to succeed, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And, you know, at the time, being that college is all about the meeting friends and being with friends. So this, the name college collegiality, you know, being amongst others and stuff, it's like having those companionships and those friendships. I had to come to the conclusion that, like, ask myself, why am I here? Right. Am I here to make friends? Right. No. It's like I'm here to propel myself forward and have a long life going with this degree in my hand. That's right. So that was one thing. The other thing was that I had to cut out distractions. <laughs> yeah, it feels like everybody says that. I mean, I've been talking about, I've been doing this for four months, and that is like numb, like cut the distractions. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's funny at the time, in my roommate, we would always watch. Um, with this anime show that we would always come home and watch at like 5.30 to 6. And that was our TV time. <laughs> that was our TV time. And it was like after 6, he would go work out. I would go, you know, run or play basketball outside. And then, you know, kind of like we get back by 7, 7.30. And that would be the only time our television was on. Mm. Like that was 30 minutes. So it's kind of like, because you can sit in front of the TV and it can just absorb your time. Now social media. You could be in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Absolutely. For hours and not even realize it. Yeah. yeah. And not even realize it. So, so time so, management, cut the distractions. Absolutely. So those, those two things and then really, it's good to have a little, um, I would say, um, 
being a competitor with someone in your class. So one thing we used to always say is that you can't do you can't do college by yourself. Like no matter what it is, you can't get through college by yourself. So find someone you can kind of in your classroom or you can kind of talk to. When it came to my upper level courses, it was a young lady in my class. Um, we were in the same program, but she used to always make better grades than me. Oh my God! Like if I made if I made a ninety three, she made a ninety five. <laughs> 81 she made it 84 and we were always in competition with each other it was like it was it was healthy because it made me study harder and at the same time it kept us both disciplined to make sure that we were on top of our books i love that so, so you competed with each, with each other and, and you 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 saw a mark that you a goal that you were trying to reach you're trying to beat her <laughs> <laughs> i never did i never did hey <laughs> Right, but hey, a, a, a shoot, an A is an A, and 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 you and you use that competition, that healthy competition, to help um, bolster you to that A. Okay, so what are your challenges? First of all, tell me what you do now, and um, what are your challenges? Okay, so right now I'm a professor. Um, I'm still in the chemistry field, still looking. My biggest challenges now is uh, kind of relating back to some of the things I have. I make sure I bring in what's going on in everyday life into the classroom. Mm. So my biggest challenges is knowing the classroom. Mm. So I have new individuals every semester and making sure that I kind of, you know, cater to their interest as it relates to chemistry and that's always a big thing because it takes a lot of preparation and that comes from the first day of class when i sit up there and i'm like well tell me about yourself right and you know it breaks the ice i tell them about myself you know i like movies you know and it kind of breaks the ice and they start talking about themselves i'm just like okay noted noted you know mm -hmm. like make a mental note so i can use later on down the line oh okay how to make it real to them like you're trying you're trying to be the professor that guided you and made you fall in love with chemistry. And the, the best way to do that is actually to know the interests of your college students. Wow. Absolutely. So, and it helps them too because if you um, always say you invest in people, you get a lot more return than you would if you invested on a financial market. So it's like it's investing time into them because you never know what dividends is going to pay. So right. Learning names from day one. Uh, what are your interests when we're walking the lab? Well, how was your weekend? How was your day? And you learn things then. Oh, I like bodybuilding. So now I can talk about things that take place when you build up like the acid. You, you're giving me some tips, uh, Donnell. <laughs> I'm not really, you know, I get to know my students, but not not like that, uh, to, to then turn what I'm teaching around based on what they told me that they did. But that's, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. So, so get, your challenges are getting to know your students in a way that you can make it relatable to them. Because chemistry is a tough subject. You need, you know, you know, some of the, let me not say that. <laughs> let me not say that to a chemistry professor. You know, I was about to say, like, I'll just say biology professors relay the information so clearly compared to. <laughs> You're not biased at all. You're not biased at all. <laughs>
<laughs> no bias, you know, you know, I just happen to be, you know, a biology professor myself. But yeah, uh, okay. Interesting, interesting. Um, how long have you been a professor? Um, now, two years now. Okay, two years. So you were a postdoc before that. Tell me about your postdoc experience as a scientist. Well, postdoc is a different beast within itself because um, in grad school, once you hit a certain point, you're kind of expected to know everything, even if they don't tell you. you right, know. right. So, um, you kind of take it to another level when it comes to um, your postdoc. But I was very fortunate because with my postdoc, it was one of the PIs who was Okay, so a PI is a principal, and you know they don't know this. A, pre, a PI is a principal investigator. They're they're basically the scientist that runs the lab, who basically is your mentor. A postdoc, just to let you know, is says stands for postdoctoral fellowship. So after he received his PhD, he had to then work as a scientist underneath a PI. And so you would go ahead, continue what you were saying. So um, we were moving, we moved, we moved the entire lab down, and it comes a lot of things come with moving an entire lab. Mm. We had a live animal lab, so a lot of red tape, a lot of federal regulations, and things that we had to follow. But the thing about it that made it exciting is it's kind of like you're starting fresh. So here we are. Um, one of the biggest things is going from bench to bedside, meaning you can take what you're doing at the scientific table hopefully lead to some type of drug or treatment that can help our overall society. I was looking at ketone metabolism and cardiomyopathies. So when it comes to our heart, you know, our heart is kind of ran on these ketone bodies that get broken down and they kind of fuel our heart and our livers. So we're looking at how changes in diet because a lot of your ketones come from what you eat. eat. Mm -hmm. Changes in your diet can affect what disease, what liver disease you got or what heart disease you got. Now, of course, this is all like uh, I'm working with surgeons. I'm working with heart surgeons because um, my principal investigator was also a surgeon as well. Like he was a doctor, and his wife was a uh, cardiologist actually performing wow. surgery. So it was cool to be able to share that information back and forth and bounce what I'm doing at lab to what's actually taking place on the surgery table. Wow, that's cool. It, 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 it kind of it brings it into perspective for you. Like, why do you do this? The significance of it. Why do you care about it? Where you're helping. You may not know you're helping someone, but you're helping someone. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons they call it a community, like a scientific community. community. You're helping everyone out. So, mm -hmm, yes, the beauty of science. Like, so you did it in, in cardiovascular disease. Um, that's the field that you were in. Um, I when I did my postdoc, I did it in neuro. De degeneration. So I was, but a lot. Both of us are molecular biologists. So I'm a molecular biologist. You're a biochemist. It's pretty much almost the same thing, just skewed to chemistry or skewed to biology. But but both of us are literally looking at microscopic things. So so I'm looking at cells as to why these cells are dying. Like why are these neurons dying? I we we my field was something was wrong with the mitochondria. So we were just studying the mitochondria, which is a little organelle in the cells of that neuron. And we're saying that's the reason why these things are dying. While you're looking at ketone bodies, like these are little molecules that are found in the heart cells. Like we're inside the cells. And I'm telling you, scientists 
um, you know, it's a beautiful thing where you can you can learn the background. We spent, you know, four years for a bachelor's. We spent, you know, a, a whole bunch of time in our graduate level school to learn the molecular detail. But ultimately, these are these are people's heart cells. These are people's brain cells, and we want to impact the world. And so, isn't that a beautiful career to be a part of, man? Like, <laughs> why, you know, and, and to get these kids to think that, you know, they can, you know, that's our responsibility. That's the black professor's responsibility. I take it very seriously, and I know um, you do too, Donnell. So, um, you wanted to say something else, or you were finished, right? Sorry. You were finished. I, I didn't cut you off or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my last question to you is, um, what's your favorite part of your career? What do you like the best? Uh, favorite part is learning something new every day. There's a quote that I always say, what did I learn new every day, what did I learn new every day? Because you're interacting with people. I'm a professor, so I interact with people on the daily basis. I yeah. try not to. On a daily, on a daily basis. So the best part about it is that one thing about science is that it's forever evolving. Yeah. So what we know today is going to be something new tomorrow, and I don't always have the answers. But students are like branches off a tree; like they can reach out and touch other things. And a lot of times they'll see something and they'll bring it to me. Like professor. Did you know about this? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> kind of like, They'll come and teach you. Yes. <laughs> Especially after they learn from you. That that's yeah. kind of like that's like a good thing. It's like if they come to teach you something, that means they learn something from you. Like I'll never forget I was um teaching about genetic modification. I'm not gonna name the I'm not gonna name the um the store for fear I get sued on Facebook Live, right? But I was telling them, don't buy from this store because I think a lot of their stuff is genetically modified. So then here's this girl coming in with a tomato from this place. She said, Dr. Blackley, you're so right. Then look at this tomato. There is a tomato growing inside of the tomato. You know why? Because they genetically modified this thing to the point where it doesn't rot. And so it won't rot. The purpose of fruit is it's, if it falls from the vine or tree, it's supposed to rot so that the seeds from within will go into the soil. So I was telling them this. And, and I said, the problem is they're trying to keep all these, you know, fruits that are coming from all over this world for a long time. So they're, they're modifying it to stop it from rotting. So she was so excited. She's like, you're so right. Here, look, it won't rot. So the seed is growing inside. Of the tomato, awesome. yeah. So you know they they you know when they come and teach you, that's you know that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, I just had a lecture last week, where we were talking about the chemistry of cooking. Mm. Water plays effect when you're smoking meat or when you're barbecuing meat. And, and I have a lot of culinary people in the class. And they just, you know, eat it all. Like, so I'm going to go make something this weekend, you know, and I can explain it to my family. <laughs> right. How that conversation goes. <laughs> they make it come alive. You know, we make we make it come alive. And then when you see their eyes light up and then they come back and they say they want to teach their children or they want to teach even you. Um, yeah, that's a great, that's a great. It's kind of like you're physically there and you can see the, Light bulb go off over their head and just like, Ding. yes, <laughs> yes, 
Yes. Or 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 a loud like you know Oh yeah. <laughs> Like and sometimes it's like three of them at the same time. Oh like yes I did my job for today. <laughs> today was a good day when you got the loud aha moment when they when they verbalize it like they totally finally got it. Uh yeah. Like, yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, so though we're tough students, we love you and we feed off of you. We want you to succeed. We want you to learn. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Dr. Donnell Carey, for just taking some time with me to talk about your experience as a scientist and a professor. Um, it is just an honor to, to see black males, a black male scientist like yourself, um, definitely giving back to the community um, by being a professor. Um, keep it up. Keep up the good work. Um, I definitely want you to succeed as this professor. So, guys, I'm the phenomenal STEMist. And so is he. So is Dr. Donald Carey. See you guys. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs>